0: You are listening to episode 754 of the Juicebox podcast. On today's program, we'll be speaking with Natalie, who is an adult living with uh, diabetes. She just doesn't know what kind. Why don't you listen and see if we can figure it out together? And while you're doing that, why don't you remember that nothing you hear on the Juice Box podcast should be considered advice, medical or otherwise. Always consult a physician before making any changes to your healthcare plan or becoming bold with insulin. My voice sounds incredibly deep right now. Bold with insulin. The Juice Box podcast. Oh, uh, T1DExchange.org forward slash Juice Box. Go ahead over there and uh, take the survey. Complete the survey, Please. T1dexchange.org forward slash juicebox. I know you tell yourself all the time, oh, I'm going to do it. And then you forget. But could you please try not to forget this time? Just go do it. Thank you. Uh, I don't really have much else here, but there's a lot of music left. What else? Um, just wasting time. I don't know what to say. Podcast is coming. And here we go. This show is sponsored today by the glucagon that my daughter carries, GVOK Hypopen. Find out more at gvokeglucagon.com forward slash juicebox. Today's podcast is also sponsored by US Med, and US Med is the place where we get our diabetes supplies, and you could too. Go to USMed.com forward slash juicebox to get your free benefits check. If you don't like using the internet, You could also call 888-721-1514. Getting your diabetes supplies doesn't need to be a hassle.
1: I'm Natalie. I'm 49 years old. I was diagnosed with gestational diabetes. I've been diagnosed as a T2 and labeled uncontrolled and noncompliant. I've been suspected to have Lada, which is also known as 1.5. And now we don't know what type I am. So I'm a bit of a mystery at the moment.
0: How long ago did this all begin?
1: Um, Well, gestational started. um, My oldest son is now 22. Um, I've had three kiddos. Um, So he was born in 99. And then my daughter was born in 2006 and then my son was 2008. And I think the combo of how those two only 17 months apart really wreaked havoc with my pancreas.
0: (laughs) Interesting how nature has devised this amazing thing, a a female. And uh, it does this thing, but it it didn't seem to have um, planned for what would happen as these little human beings like suck the life out of you over and over again like,
1: exactly
0: <laughs> you should really have like um i mean listen i'm not a deity but if i was designing the whole thing like after you made the baby you'd be able to go like something like an ev charger situation and like charge yourself back up again you, oh you yeah know?
1: magic wand just wave it and the body goes back to exactly how it was yeah it that'd just, be great it really but is. It doesn't happen that way
0: no not at all it is fascinating though isn't it that you that you're a, an entity and in order to make another entity, which makes complete sense, you have to give of yourself in a way that you don't get back again. It's um, yep. it's unfair, honestly. <laughs> the only thing that balances the scales even a little bit, in my opinion, and this is just me speaking for my personal relationship, is that I have to live with my wife. Other than that, I don't see where I'm being tortured the way you guys are. <laughs>
1: <laughs> well, I've already started brainwashing the youngest that, um, you know, when, when mom and dad get old, you have to take care of mom and dad, right? Sh- sure, mom, I'll take care of you. So <laughs> I, I figure if we start the brainwashing now, then maybe when I need it, one of them will take care of me in my old age.
0: <laughs> when my kids were younger, I would just sort of like in passing say, listen, when mom gets sick of me and kicks me out, I don't want to live yep. above like a pizza place or something. You know what I mean? Like I'm going to need help. Uh so that's the same yeah. idea, I think.
1: <laughs> I think so too.
0: Yeah. Well, um, all right. So you gave to these these ungrateful maybe they're grateful kids. I don't know. These children.
1: <laughs> it depends on the day, I think.
0: I'll tell you, as my kids get older, I um, I'm starting to put them in the same category as dogs. <laughs> Just <I'm, laughs> I understand that I've gotten something out of it, but overall, I regret the situation. <laughs> um. But seriously, like so, you you had these kids. You got gestational diabetes. Did um it end after the pregnancy was over?
1: Yeah. So um after uh, the youngest was born, things went back to normal, and I went back and looked at my my readings because I was a nerd and um, made spreadsheets of my readings when I was pregnant, and um you know we really even though it was high for a non-diabetic, um, it wasn't overly high compared to what I know now. Right. So I barely, I rarely got over 200, um, even without taking insulin because at that time they allowed you to take glyburide, um, during pregnancy to help keep your sugars under control. So, um, things went back to normal. Although I did have a, a doctor at one point tell me that, you know, you're at very high risk for getting type two. And I really didn't want to listen to that. Um <laughs> I was in a bit of a denial, even though diabetes runs pretty strongly on both sides of my family. So I knew at some point I would would be at risk for it, which is why then about 10 years ago, um, when I was having a lot of trouble with UTIs, um, and I went in to have a, a urine test done, they found glucose in my urine. I wasn't completely surprised. Um, So that was, again, about 10 years ago, diagnosed me as type two because I was uh, very much a stereotypical appearing type two, a little bit overweight and, uh, you know, it runs in the family. So, okay, you've got type two, here you go. Here's your metformin. So I took the metformin, uh, changed my diet, increased my exercise, but, you know, I also had three small kids at home too. So started doing a lot better. Um, got to the point where I was doing so much better that when my prescriptions ran out for my metformin and my test strips, I was just like, ah, I'm good. I don't need this anymore. (laughs) Um, and so I did well for a while, but then I didn't, and I didn't realize how badly I was doing because I wasn't testing. And I didn't have a doctor checking up on me. And I started to get a lot of not very nice symptoms. Um, I was thirsty all the time to the point where I would have multiple glasses of water on my nightstand for at night. Um, Then subsequently, I was going to the bathroom constantly. I um, was crabby all the time. I was hot all the time. And what started to wake me up was I started to um, wet the bed at night as a grown adult, and my rationale was, well, I'm dreaming about going to the bathroom, so that's why I wet the bed, not realizing that my blood sugar was so high, and um, the my gums started to bleed, and at that point, I don't know what kind of shook me back to reality. Maybe it was having two accidents in bed at night in one night, um, I was like, "I, I can't keep doing this. This is wrong. I know better. And so I called the doctor, got a refill of my scripts and my test strips and started taking my metformin again, started testing my blood sugar again. And by the time I got back into the doctor, I know that My numbers had gone down by the time the doctor saw me, but my A1C was 10.2 at that point with a random number of, well, 260 something. Hmm. And uh, the doc's like, Nat, I'm pretty sure that you've been hitting five and 600 based on all your symptoms. And we've got to take this serious. And that was really a wake up moment for me.
0: Yeah, so I, I have to be honest. Not like the bleeding gums sort of got me, uh, yeah. But the the bedwetting, um, I, I can see what you are. I mean, it's fascinating just to go back for a second that you knew about this, got on top of it, and then the second you felt better, you were like, "I fixed it," or you know, "I am going to ignore it now." So, com- yeah. such a common thing.
1: Well, and, and everybody tells you right with type two that, oh, well, if you just eat right and exercise, you'll fix yourself. This is all your fault in the first place because you ate too much. And if you just eat right and control yourself, you'll be fine. Um, and I was never a, I was never a huge sweets person. Mm -hmm. I do have a weakness for bread. Um, but, so I, I, you know, I had salty carbs, not sweet carbs, okay. but I was never a, a binge eater or anything like that. And I wasn't terribly overweight. I was in the the overweight category, but not beyond that. So, so yeah, I felt a lot of shame and in, in having it, even with my dad having it. Um, luckily I have access to all the test strips that I would need. So I had absolutely no excuse for not testing. Mm -hmm. And funny enough, when I started my career, I actually worked helping diabetics with their glucose meters. So when we talk about, you know, the meters that are big as a brick, um, I didn't work with, with the brick, but I worked with (laughs) the baby bricks that came after that. Um, And that's actually how we found my dad's diabetes is I had taken one of my meters home to learn how to use it. So that I could help people on the phone. And when we tested my dad, just a random reading, he was 350. Wow. And so he got put on <laughs> oral meds that very week. So I knew better. Yeah. And that's the sad, that's the really sad part of it is I saw the symptoms. Um, I knew it wasn't good, but between the feeling like a failure because I couldn't control it myself despite the changes that I'd made in my lifestyle and my habits and just denial of not wanting to deal with it and it was about a, a year that I wasn't taking meds and it got it got out of control looking back at my numbers I don't think I was below 200 at any given time for probably 6 months
0: mm-hmm. um I'm trying to. I'm seeing this correlation in my mind, and I, I don't know how to talk through it exactly right. But um, with a number of things, type two diabetes, is a great example. Even COVID is a good example. Um, you know, I think it's pretty obvious at this point. The more co- comorbidities you have, you know, the you have a, a pretty good possibility that COVID could be harsher on you. Now, not to yep. say that there aren't people who have, you know, significant comorbidities and you just make it through, you know, but it's, you know, I think it's, it's, it's showing that direction. The, the idea that when somebody finds out something that's happening in real time, right now, you have type two diabetes, you, you know, you have COVID or COVID's outside your door. You know what I mean? Like it's, it's on its way Mm -hmm. just to say to somebody, Hey, lose weight because if you're in better shape, this is going to go better for you. I, I think that's true. By the way, I think that the better mm-hmm. physical condition you're in, the better chance you're going to have to fight off an, an illness or the better, you know, chance you might have to n- not develop type two diabetes is an example. But you can't just tell a person go lose weight and then six months from now when that doesn't happen, tell them go lose weight again. Like you're not doing anything for them in the moment. I think it has to be a combination of approaches, um, you know. Yeah, listen, let's try to get your body in better order. And in the meantime, maybe these medications will help you. Uh, exactly. You know what I mean? Yeah. I think it's a layered approach if it's going to work because most people go through. I mean, you're a reasonable person. I've been speaking to you for 15 minutes now. You're well thought out. You're considered. Um, you don't appear crazy at all. And um, and by the some, say, sometimes I'm talking to people and I'm like, oh, this person might be crazy, but that's OK. <laughs> you know, um, and, and my point is, is that it, this happened to you. You went back, started strong, fell off, and then then like went off a cliff. Like you didn't just yeah. slow down a little bit. You were like, ah, <laughs> like, like, yes. you know, like riding it to the end. Um, Very and, much anyway. so.
1: And, and that's a guilt that I carry because, yeah, my doctors probably could have done more or said something or followed up. Hey, why hasn't this patient come in? Something. Um, but at the same time, you know, I... I knew better, but yet I still let it go on. And then now I feel when I go back and look at that time period or I look at my numbers, you know, I worry, what did that do for me for long-term? How can I help other people to not have to go through that? Um, Because yeah, there was a lot of stress going on at work, um, you know, whatever, but ultimately if I was testing my blood sugar, I would have known that this is not right.
0: Mm. Yeah. I, I I don't know. It's just I'm endlessly fascinated and not coming to any quick uh, decisions on what I think by the fact that we are, I think, as a species, very willing most of the time to just be like, oh, I wonder what will happen. And I'll just wait and see. Oh, it's too late. Oh well, <laughs> didn't work out for me. You, you know, like it's a strange thing. I do it. Like everyone does it. You know, like I, I should. Get, I I should hang up with you right now, Natalie. The end of this episode should happen right now, and I should go for a walk. <laughs> you know, <laughs> um, I yeah. should go ride my bike. There are things I should do, and in the course of a day, it's funny. I've never ignored one of those things and said to myself. Oh, I'm not going to ride my bike right now. I'm not going to go for a walk because I don't feel like it. It's because there are a massive amount of things that I'm responsible to do. Yep. And then when those responsibilities are done, I'm tired. Yep. At the end and of you the want day. to
1: take just a few precious moments for yourself every and, once in a while.
0: And the irony probably is that if I rode the bike first, I could do most of those responsibilities. And maybe not be as tired in the <laughs> afternoon. Like, I'm caught in this in this bad decision-making, I don't know, scheme? You yep. know what I mean? That is set up yep. to kill me. Yep. And, and
1: it's so easy to say, well, if it was really important, you just make the time for it. True. But it, I think having the tools to help you make the time for it um, are a luxury that not everybody has.
0: Right and, and I, i'll i'll speak for me right as a i mean i'm a, i'm a, a, i don't know how to put this i guess like i i have some things going for me right like that that allow me to make time or you know see a doctor or whatever like you know mm-hmm. i i have a lot of that and instead of like enacting it in my mind it's always like if i could just get this stuff done then i'll do it Like, I'll take care of myself then. Like, my knee, which people have heard me mention probably for six months over the podcast. Like, (laughs) I got to go to the doctor. There's something wrong with my knee. But it's not knocking me over. So instead of going to the doctor, I'll record with you. just keep
1: dealing with it. Right. I'll
0: I'll take something to my son at school that he needs. I'll go watch my daughter do something. Like, I'll just keep saying, like, well, let me just get this done. I'll get that one off to college. Or I'll, you know, get this done. And then, but I'm telling you right now, when I get them off to college, the next thing I'm going to think is, I gotta clean my office, and then after I get my office, like I'm going to like do that until my knee falls apart and I and I fall over, and then I'm gonna be like, so you know, go to the doctor
1: and take care of your knee, Scott.
0: (laughs) Yeah, hey, go lose weight, Natalie. (laughs) (laughs)
1: Exactly. (laughs) Just do it.
0: (laughs) So anyway, there's that that aspect of who we are. I I think it's an I think it's a bleed over of what you need to be to survive being alive. You, you know what I mean? Like if we didn't have that, that, oh, I'll push forward feeling inside of us. I mean, I think we'd all be, I don't know, at Plymouth Rock, wondering how to get over the first river we saw, you know? Yeah. You know? Yeah. And instead it's like, go, 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 go. Um, and it's easy to step back and see the big picture and go, okay, well, this is humanity some people's knees fall off and, you know, they tumble over on the trail and their friend shoots them in the head with a six iron and, you know, like, and they keep going. And we, that's how we're going to get to Oregon. For example, Um, people are going to be lost along the way. And I get that. I really do. Like, I get that when a pack of wildebeest run away from a lion, one of the wildebeest dies. So the rest of them can, can keep going. But when I come in and look at a real micro at my life, I don't care about the wildebeest. I don't care if we all get to Oregon. I'm trying to stay alive. Yeah. And somehow those that that battle inside of us between keep going, don't stop, and take care of yourself, it's one of the biggest struggles I've seen people deal with.
1: Yeah, I, I would agree there that yeah. it's so hard to find where the line is between where do I need to sharpen my saw and and where do I need to keep cutting down this tree? Mm,
0: look at you. Where'd you read that? That's smart.
1: I'm trying to remember what book that was, it sharpening this saw. took
0: me 10 minutes to say what you said in three words. Now I'm <laughs> embarrassed. Yeah, I feel right. like an idiot. I was like, why do I go on like that? I could have just said, <laughs> when do I sharpen the saw and when do I cut the tree? God ah, damn it. <laughs> that's really, I'm embarrassed right now. This is what embarrassment looks like on me. I'm like, oh, I'm so wordy.
1: that's why you're good at the podcast
0: well great except i'm sitting here and not going for a walk i'll be dead you all will be better how's that gonna be good
1: yeah because we can walk while we listen to you so there's that
0: no lie i'm being taken advantage of by all of you (laughs) (laughs) um so anyway so you anyway so anyway after 20 minutes i'm like okay let that all go let's keep talking (laughs) what a transition natalie i'm on fire today huh
1: Oh, well, let's see. After I fell off the cliff.
0: Have you found that getting your diabetes supplies can be a pain in the butt? I have too. But not any longer. Because now we're getting Arden's diabetes supplies from U.S. Med. To get a free benefits check, just call 888 721 One five one four, or go to usmed.com forward slash juice box. US Med has served over 1 million diabetes customers since 1996, and they want you to know that they're offering you better service and better care than you're getting now. US Med always provides 90 days worth of supplies and fast and free shipping. They carry everything from insulin pumps and diabetes testing supplies to the latest CGMs like the Freestyle Libre 2 and the Dexcom G6. Arden gets her Dexcoms and her Omnipods from US Med. US Med accepts Medicare nationwide and over 800 private insurers. US Med is the number one distributor for Freestyle Libre Systems, the number one specialty distributor for Omnipod Dash, number one fastest growing tandem distributor, the number one rated distributor in Dexcom customer service satisfaction surveys, and they are proud of the white glove treatment That they offer their customers. USmed.com forward slash juicebox or call 888 721 1514. And that 888 number is special just for Juicebox podcast listeners. Now, if you decide to go to the website, it's super simple. Here's what it tells you when you get there Getting started is easy from the comfort of your own home or office. You can now join over 1 million satisfied customers who rely on our staff of courteous, knowledgeable, and trained U.S. Med customer care representatives to keep you up to date with your medical and diabetic supplies delivered right to your door. Super simple benefits check. Name, phone number, email, zip code, and then just hit the button that says request a free benefits check. It's that easy. Let U.S. Med take care of your supplies so you don't have to worry. When you have diabetes and use insulin, low blood sugar can happen when you don't expect it. GVOC Hypopen is a ready-to-use glucagon option that can treat very low blood sugar in adults and kids with diabetes ages 2 and above. Find out more. Go to gvocglucagon.com forward slash juice box. G-Voke shouldn't be used in patients with theochromocytoma or insulinoma. Visit gvocglucagon.com slash risk. All right, we're going to get back to Natalie now, and um, that's pretty much it, except for me reminding you about the private Facebook page for the podcast at Juicebox Podcast Type 1 Diabetes, the Pro Tip Series, the Bold Beginning Series, Defining Diabetes, How We Eat, After Dark. There are so many different series. They're all listed in the Featured tab of the private Facebook group. You can also find them at JuiceboxPodcast.com. Then I I
1: really got serious. Yeah. Um... And by serious, I mean, I was trying my hardest to, to manage my diabetes. So, um, I did a lot of research. I would ask my doctor about a lot of things. I I tried a lot of things. Um, I started liraglutide, um, or otherwise known as uh, Victoza, um, about six years ago. And that did help me lose a little bit of weight. And we'll talk about that here a little bit more in a second, but, Um, it really wasn't changing my A1Cs. I was living with A1Cs in the eights and nines. And again, when prepping for this, I was looking back at my A1Cs and I didn't realize my A1C had gone back up to almost as high as what it was um, when I first fell off the cliff, right? So at that point, it was a 10.2. I varied anywhere between about seven and a half- and nine point eight over those years, and and during that time, I was walking three to five miles a day, five to seven days a week. I was doing half marathons every month. Five um, Ks were scattered in between. I was exercising a lot on a regular basis and trying any medication that the doctor suggested, with the exception of insulin. Mm-hmm. Um, I was very, very resistant to starting insulin. Um, again, partly due to that mentality that, well, if you just work harder, you'll you'll fix yourself and you won't have to go on insulin. Mm-hmm. The only type twos that go on insulin are are the ones that are failures, right? So, I tried just about everything. I was looking back at my prescription list. I've taken all kinds of oral and injectable medications. I tried intermittent fasting. I read the diabetes code. I read the obesity code. Um, Like I said, was exercising a lot. And my A1Cs were still staying right around the same. Mm -hmm. And um, at one point, the doctor even checked, ordered the test for C-peptide and antibodies. So that was probably about five years ago. And my antibodies came back negative. And you'll like this in light of our earlier conversation. Um, I never tested my C-peptide because it required a fasting test. And I lived far enough from where they were drawing the blood that I didn't want to have to fast that long. (laughs) (laughs) So I never checked my C-peptide, which looking back, um, I absolutely should have known what it was then because knowing what I know now. I'm suspicious that my pancreas really wasn't working well, even back then. Mm -hmm. So, um, about, mm, about five years ago, I was only on the, the GLP one, the, the liraglutide and my weight was dropping, but my A1C was going up.
0: Hmm. Do you think the drug was was, helping your weight or do you think your high blood sugar was?
1: Well, at the time, I very much thought it was the medicine and all of my diet and exercise. I mean, I'm getting good at this. I'm Mm -hmm. losing weight. I'm you know, losing about two pounds a week. So that's perfect. Well, (laughs) considering that when the doctor then put me on long-lasting insulin because my A1C kept creeping up, um, I gained almost 20 pounds in four weeks. And so all that all that weight that I had worked for two years to take off came back on in four weeks. Yeah. And I did not make any changes to my diet or my exercise routine or anything that would have indicated that, yeah, you're taking in extra calories and that's why you're gaining this weight. So I think I was dangerously close to DKA at that point mm-hmm. and just didn't know it. Right.
0: Because it certainly wasn't your calorie, cal- calorie. Wow, where did that word? Like, I just lost calorie in my mouth for a second. I don't <laughs> even know how to explain that. Um, it, it wasn't. It, it wasn't certainly because you were restricting calories to the point where it would create a weight loss. Correct. Yeah, you were eating well, through DKA basically.
1: Yeah. Mm-hmm. Well, and uh, yeah, that that's that's what it was. Okay. and so, um, so it, so go on long acting insulin. Again, my numbers didn't get great. Um, It was still in the low, in the 8.5 to 7.5 range, which at the time they were like, yeah, it could be better, but they didn't really impress upon me how terrible that could be long term Mm. for me. And so, um, you know, I just kept going along with it, knowing that well, this isn't working completely, but I don't know what else to do. I'm, I'm trying everything that I could try. And my endo, um, she did a great job of listening to me and letting me, <laughs> letting me throw theories at her for different things that we could try, um, but didn't give a lot of uh, recommendations on how to make things much better.
0: Yeah. It, you know, it's funny. Arden had an appointment with somebody about a month ago. And um, the person ran a bunch of blood tests. And then yesterday, we had a telemed to go over the blood work. Yeah. And um, the the initial consultation that led to the blood work was honestly like three hours long. As a private doctor, we paid cash for it. We were in a situation where we felt like she wasn't getting answers from other people. And we thought this would be a valuable use of our money and our time. And it was. I mean, the person gave... An immense amount of time to us, um, tested for everything under the sun. And yesterday during this call, which, by the way, went, depends on how you think of it, but all the big things that were tested for, Arden didn't have, mm-hmm. which was really exciting. But the reason I'm telling you the story is because that in the first five or six minutes of the telemed yesterday, I watched the doctor remember who we were. <laughs> And so while I had been living, and Arden and anybody else who was in that room a month ago had been living for the last 30 days with this warm recollection of this doctor that gave a ton of time and effort and you felt like you had a connection with, and then that person looks you in the face and goes, oh, it's that girl and her dad. Uh, and then you can see her look down at her papers and go, I remember that. I'm like, oh, my God, Like she doesn't remember us at all. Like This love affair that I thought we were having <laughs> meant nothing mm-hmm. to her. Um, I don't take that out on her or another doctor because in a very strange way, I understand that. Like you and I are going to have a fascinating conversation today that I'm going to take a ton from. And 30 days from now, if you say to me, Natalie, I'm going to go, I don't know who you're talking about. Yeah. Yeah. And because I've now, I will have spoken to 30 other people 30 days from now.
1: Exactly. Just the sheer number of people that you're working with and talking to on a daily basis. Yeah.
0: But six months from now when i edit your episode i'm going to be like i'm going to remember this like like it like we're right back on that first date again and i'm like i'm excited and i'm like oh i think natalie's going to hold my hand like like it's going to like it's going to feel like that again it's all going to rush back i'm going to put it out and i swear to you 4 days later someone's going to go online and say in the episode about blah 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 and i'm going to think i don't know what they're talking about <laughs> <laughs> And then I have to go back and make myself right with it. And then I go, oh, I remember Natalie. And then I can talk about it. So the point is that that happens with your doctors too. Yeah. And like you're explaining like, oh, they let me tell them about things and blah, blah, blah. And I'm like, you're having you or me or anybody, you're having a relationship with a doctor that the doctor is not having back with you. Yep. That's all. Totally agree. Again, again, 10 minutes to say
1: four (laughs) words. (laughs)
0: <laughs> all right. Well, anyway, I'm comfortable with how this all works. So, I'm, I'm not going to stop myself there. So, are you a type 1 being treated as a type 2 at this point or do you not well, even know at this point?
1: Well, so yeah, so that gets interesting. So, um back in March of 2021, um I decided that I'd had enough. I was working really, really hard. It wasn't making any difference in my A1C, and I'm like, I think we need to test me again. And so I went and had my antibodies tested. I got my C-peptide tested and my antibodies came back negative again. And my C-peptide though was like non-existent. There was some pancreatic activity, but not very much at all. Mm -hmm. And so that to me was a wake-up call. Um, It was, hey, uh, you are working as hard as you can possibly work at this. Your pancreas is not. So we have to give it some help. And so about this time, I also ended up with a new endo. Um, my previous endo left the practice. And so I had to find a new one and I saw her for two visits and she was awesome. And we'll talk about her a little bit more in a second. Um, but then she also moved locations. <laughs> and So now I have <laughs> my third endo in the past, uh, I don't know, 18 months. So that's been a journey too. But um, the doctor that I saw back in March after I retested my numbers, um, I told her that I wanted a Dexcom and I wanted an insulin pump <laughs> and I want to get on this, you know, as soon as possible. And so she's like, okay, slow your roll a little bit. Um, let's get you on a Dexcom and then mealtime insulin and then we'll, we'll figure out the pump. Right. And so um, I started in March with that, with an A1C of 8.3. And then by June, my A1C had dropped to a 7.2. So it was, even though I had no idea what I was doing with insulin, they gave me um, hemolog pens and basically said, Take about five units with your meals and keep taking your long acting. Mm-hmm. Okay. okay. <laughs> so, looking back at my numbers, um, there was one time that I I took my insulin, and granted, I wasn't below 150, I think, ever. Um, but I took my insulin, and we'd had Vietnamese food, and I had a boba tea, and my glucose hit 465. Wow. And that was that was on insulin. Right. So obviously I had no clue what I was doing. Um, Started the Omnipod in July. I wanted to start it sooner, but we had an issue with getting a training class scheduled and they wouldn't let me start it on my own. And I desperately wanted to do it on my own. And I listened to my endo for a change. And she said, no, you really need to wait for training. And I said, fine. Um <laughs> And grudgingly waited for training, but I was glad I did because, um, my CDE or whatever their initials are. She was really awesome and gave me a lot of helpful tips and tricks that I wouldn't have known trying to do it on my own. Mm -hmm. Um, but within about two weeks of starting the Omnipod, I found your podcast. Okay. And uh, honestly, Scott, I know you hear this a lot. It truly did change my life. Um, the first episode that I listened to was the was the rough roof, rough episode, something <laughs> like that. And I w- wasn't quite sure what to make of it, but I really appreciated some of the perspectives that she was giving. And in that episode, you talked a lot about pro tips and the defining diabetes episodes. And so I went back and I found all of those and started listening to them. Mm-hmm. And I heard the not that type episode Um and a misdiagnosed episode. And um, those really spoke to me, which is part of the reason why I reached out about being on the podcast, because you talked about wanting more type twos. And for me, I've lived through just about (laughs) all kinds of situations, everything from gestational to, you know, trying to manage type two with diet and exercise and feeling like a failure all the time and having people shame you about what you're eating or what you're doing. Um, to the point where now I know my pancreas doesn't work. And so I'm on an Omnipod and a, a Dexcom and I'm on full-time insulin and then dealing with the same kinds of things that that type ones deal with without the autoantibodies. Mm-hmm. So long story short, to answer your question, uh, we don't know what type I am. Um, I could be a type one that just doesn't have antibodies. There are a few of those types of people. Um, I could be a type three C that has had some sort of trauma or damage to my pancreas. Um, so my, my endo that I spoke about when she was going through all my, my numbers, she goes, Natalie, I really think that you would benefit from participating in a clinical study. I'm like, Oh yeah, what's that? She's like, well, it's for rare and atypical diabetes types. And it's called the Radiant Study. And she's like, I'd really like to recommend you for that if you're interested. And I'm like, heck yeah, if I can find out more about this, yes, please. Right. And so it's basically, it's looking for people that don't meet the typical type 1 or type 2 criteria. Um, if, if you have antibodies, then um, you're not eligible for the study because they know that in one form or another, you're type 1. So I have had, um, I'm in the second phase of the trial now, and I'm waiting to get my genomic sequencing results back. Hopefully that will tell us more about what type I am. Mm -hmm. Um, But in the meantime, I'm treated as a type one. Um, My chart at the doctors just indicates atypical diabetes. I'm blessed to have insurance that will cover my, my technology. Um, so I don't worry about losing my, my Dexcom or my Omnipod, like a lot of type twos have to worry. Um, so yeah, it's just a mystery.
0: The the study (laughs) is pretty new, huh? Like a year old, maybe
1: the 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 trial,
0: the radiant study.
1: Yeah. It's relatively new. And when I talked to my, um, coordinator, I'm like, um, I'm going to be on this podcast and do you want me to talk about it or no? Um, (laughs) they told me that I can say whatever I wish to say. Um, my understanding is they are still open for candidates. Mm -hmm. So if you do happen to have a listener that is antibody negative or has a really strange presentation of their diabetes, um, they might look into um, contacting the study. There's information on the website uh, that you can apply.
0: Okay. Yeah. I I just Googled um, three words, radiant study diabetes, and I found it no trouble. So yeah, cool. Yeah. I I think that's, that's a great idea to try to gain more insight and help people understand, but functionally in your life, it kind of doesn't matter, right? You just, you need to manage the way that your symptoms indicate they need
1: exactly okay. As as far as my treatment goes and how I manage it, um, it doesn't matter what you call it. I know I need insulin, um, and so figuring out how best to use it so that I can stay safe and avoid any long term complications down the road mm-hmm. is, is my goal. Right. Um, and honestly, the only reason why I, I might care about what it's called is a for insurance reasons, making sure that I can always get the tech I need. And then B, if there's any info that comes out of it that can help other people or can help my kids, um, then I'd be interested in that. Uh, With diabetes running on both sides of my family and with me having it, my kids are at risk. And so knowing what they might expect, if there is a genetic component, um, can be helpful too.
0: You think those kids are going to listen to you when you tell them that, or are they going to act like you did back when you were like, it don't matter?
1: Um, One of them will listen, and the other two will probably not.
0: (laughs) Ah, You all know who you are. There you go.
1: (laughs) Yes, they do. (laughs)
0: Um, You know, you said something earlier about the the first episode of the podcast you found. Actually, when you said it was that one, I was like, oh, how did I even keep her after that? Because um, some of them are just made to be entertaining. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> you know, like there's not much more to them. Um, I do try to sprinkle you know goodness throughout. but, um, I always wonder about that with so many episodes, like what happens if a person falls on the wrong one? but there's I, I've come to realize there's nothing I can do about it. Um, but it, but it's it's nice that you held on and you waited a little bit and that all that stuff was actually helpful to you. It's uh I mean, that's got to be a year ago, right?
1: Yeah, that was almost a, a year ago at this at this point. Um, cool. Actually, it was last summer. So again, I I started on the on the decks in July, and my first podcast that I listened to was one of the ones in the middle of the July.
0: Mm-hmm. So I, I'm just I'm kind of thinking about myself for a second. How bizarre it is that basically 18 months ago, I had a conversation with somebody. <laughs> um, you know what I mean? Uh, that yes. that that somehow like grew out the way it did, not on purpose. Now you've you know you're recording with me now. We're at this forty minutes already, and um, you can attest, right? We put no pre planning into this whatsoever.
1: I spent a fair amount of time thinking about okay, what what is going to be the important things to get across, but knowing that this was just going to be a, a conversation that flowed and it would go where it went.
0: Yeah. Oh, okay. Well, then on my side, let me put it into a different
1: context for you.
0: I was (laughs) sipping water and cracking my knuckles like five seconds before you popped on. And I was not thinking, oh, Natalie. Like, I, I looked at your intake form. And I saw, like, I even—I don't even know that I read it. I keyworded it. I was like, "Oh, like she doesn't know what kind of diabetes she has. She's a mom, like, blah blah." blah. I'm like, "Okay, we'll figure it." Yeah. Like when you said you were 49, I was like, "Oh, Natalie's 49." So, like, that's <laughs> that's part of the secret of the podcast is that I'm actually learning about you for real while 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 you're explaining. It's um, you know, like on late night TV shows where you see the host go. So I understand something funny Mm -hmm. happened to you at the zoo today.
1: (laughs) Oh, and it's so fake and contrived. Yeah, I I think your methods um, help keep it genuine.
0: And if we miss something, we miss something. But at least everything that comes out is valuable. Like that's how that's how I think about it. Um, But it's cool that you found it. And like, how did you find it? So you're kind of outside of the age range for podcasts. Like, (laughs) seriously, what did you do?
1: Well, I do listen to a lot of podcasts. Now, granted, most of my other podcasts are like true crime podcasts. It's always Um,
0: true crime, Natalie. What do you ladies have inside of your brain that you want to hear about how to kill people?
1: I don't know, Uh, but yeah, it's kind of a joke in the family. Oh, mom's listening to her crime show again. And I do have my daughter listening to at least a couple of them now. So that's kind of funny.
0: Um, (laughs) I'm just saying when your husband shows up dead. (laughs) Just go back and listen to those podcasts, so you figure out how she did it. That's all.
1: But so yeah, I I before COVID, I had a long commute to work, and so I would listen to a lot of podcasts on the way to and from work, and just found it through there. And I'm guessing I was trying found the podcast. I'm guessing it was either um, looking for groups on Facebook and then finding someone that had mentioned it in one of the other, in either the Dexcom or the Omnipod group or. Or something, um, But like I said, once, and you were right, that first one was definitely meant to be more entertaining than educational, I think. But I finding the defining di- diabetes episodes mm-hmm. and then the pro tips. I've, <laughs> heck, I've had diabetes in some form for 25 years. And yet I thought that I knew all the things that I needed to know. But yet there was so much good information or different ways of thinking about things uh to help me apply it in a better way. I'm glad. And so um I took that information that I got out of defining and, and the pro tips and kind of ran with it. I listened to a lot of the um how we eat episodes because I found those to be uh, very helpful as well. And just listening to what other folks have have gone through. But one of the moments, okay, in there's a few key phrases from the podcast that really stick out to me. And of course, stop the arrows and just don't worry about why just more insulin and, and being willing to, to take charge and figure it out with the help of your physicians, of course. Right. But being able to, to do that made a big difference. And one of the episodes with that was talking about pregnancy talked about how it's so important when you're pregnant to maintain such a tight a one C and it, it struck me that, um, okay, if it's, if it's important for the mom and the baby to do that while they're pregnant, why isn't it important for everybody to be that well-controlled all the time? Yeah, And well- so striving having a much more um, aggressive approach to striving to maintain non-diabetic numbers um, has has made a big difference. Excellent. And I don't know that I would have had that mindset had I not found the podcast.
0: I appreciate that. I think that um, what happens is that, that, I mean, doctors or people living the life, they can, they can see what they need, but then they don't, um, they, they don't know how to follow through. Like, you know, a doctor can say to you like, oh, Basil's really important. But then they don't do anything about it. They just yeah. tell you it's really important. They don't then show you how to make it better or talk you through why it's important. It's just this, these like, you know what I'm saying? Like, you just like, you know what you gotta do? Mm-hmm. You gotta do this. And then we stop talking about it. And then yeah. nothing happens. I think I'm in a unique position where I've been in the space long enough that I've seen things over and over again so many times that, it, you know, using like Facebook as an example, like I can watch somebody post a question and I already know how the whole thing's gonna go mm-hmm. be- before it happens because I've seen it 50 times. I've seen it 100 times. I've seen people ask this ca- question in one way or another. I know how, uh, Low carb people are going to answer it. I know how people are going to answer it who think like, you know, like, well, I can do whatever I want as long as I bolus for it. Like, I know the whole, like, I, I, you might as well just not do it in my mind. It's already happened. But for everyone else, it's very important to let it play out. Mm
1: -hmm.
0: And, um, and I, through watching these things play out over and over again, and through having all these conversations, you put yourself in a unique situation to understand what people need before they understand what they need and so you can leave breadcrumbs for them and then hope they follow them yeah. and and if and and by the way my breadcrumbs might not be perfect for you that's fine but you gather up what you need and if you want to sh- shoot off on another you know path that's cool but people need to understand I mean it sounds like so trite to say like you need the tools and you need to know how to use them and you yes. need to know when to use them um, because your sharp saw is not going to help you if you need a hammer, exactly. It, right. So, um, I, I just—I'm very appreciative to know how how this helped you because all I have is my ability to lay it out there the way I think it works, and then wait to see if it happens or not. And I believe that the popularity of the podcast has it proven out pretty well at this point. I'm waiting for other people to figure out that a siloed, approach to, uh, a siloed approach to medicine isn't going to work. Like you sitting in an office going, Basil's really important, and then I leave the office and you don't tell me why Basil's important. Um, that's never going to help anybody. That makes you feel better. The person standing in the office, the doctor who goes, I told them, <laughs> but they didn't listen. You, you know yeah. what I mean? Like you, you didn't tell them anything. And you yeah. very well may not know how to do it either. Maybe that's why you're not telling them. I, I don't know. But you need a um, like there's something I'm I'm very like old timey in my thinking today. But you need like a sherpa you you need a you need a guide, need you, a need, guide. you need you need you need the medicine lady in the camp who knows the whole camp situation and has time to sit with you and talk to you about basil because that's her job and she doesn't do anything else. I'm an old lady sitting in a teepee. That's what I'm telling you. Um, <laughs> you know what I mean? I think that's important. I think that's what I'm seeing working. And this medium lends itself to it. Unlike anything else I've seen so far. Yeah. Yeah. Because
1: I could go and find the episodes that were the, that spoke to me um, the most from the titles and, and start with there. And then depending on what was revealed in in that episode, you know, you find other breadcrumbs to go to and and more information. Um, I know that, I really didn't start pre-bolusing until I was listening to the podcast. Um, and then I could see it for myself with my decks to see, oh, my gosh, this does work. And it, it makes sense. But yet it's scary sometimes to give insulin for something you haven't had to eat yet, especially when you're talking about a kid. Um, so I understand why why people are reluctant to do it. But it works
0: <laughs> yeah I so it's funny, I don't know what it is in my mind that doesn't allow me to trade it, at least in my thinking about diabetes. I can't trade like safety now for later like i'm I almost think about diabetes the, like in that Ben Franklin is it a Ben Franklin quote, oh God, now I'm gonna get this <laughs> wrong um a sure. little bit of security is that not the First, we're going to find out if it was Ben Franklin. <laughs> and then, um, so it's it's a, it's a quote about uh, the, those who would give up essential liberty to purchase a little temporary safety deserve neither liberty nor safety. Benjamin Franklin, ah. it, I, it's attributed to him as far as I know. And the internet agrees with me. Um, so uh, I think it's been said a number of different ways over the years. So my point is, you can't, let your blood sugar be 200 your whole life so that you don't get low today because something really bad is going to happen to you in the future. If you do that. So, so you have to set, you have to set your country up with best intentions. And if along the way you lose trying to do the right thing, I mean, to me, that's the risk I'm willing to take. Like I want to, I want long-term health for my daughter, not just a little bit of security today. You know, like, I want I want the whole thing. And if she can't have the whole thing, I don't know how to put this. Like, I, I'm not saying, like, I want her to die. Like, I'm I'm saying that, like, I think there's a way to pre-bolus meals and to be more reactive with blood sugars and keep blood sugars lower and stable without hurting yourself. Yeah. And... That could give you a long life, a healthy life, because you might have a, I mean, listen, if my daughter lives 75 years with diabetes and she drops dead and it was as healthy as it could have been, I call that a win. Now, -hmm. some people might argue, well, I made it 63 years, but I was sick the whole time and I never once worried about getting low. And I'm like, eh, all right. I mean, I guess one might make more sense to you and one makes more sense to me. But for me, this makes sense. And then the tools that I had to sort of develop to make that possible, I think other people can learn them. And if they want to use them, then they should. And if they don't want to, then they shouldn't. Like, I'm not telling anybody how to live their life. I'm just telling you what I did. And, you know, if it works for you, uh, that's a bonus to me.
1: And I think part of the problem, too, is that at least when I was being treated as a type two diabetic. The doctors were willing to let those high averages just ride. I mean, if I would have acted content with it, they would have said, eh, you might try to eat a little better or exercise a little more. Um, But they they weren't telling me about, hey, if your results are over 200 regularly, you're going to have long-term complications. They weren't saying those things.
0: Right. Because it becomes a management thing, like for them, you have to. Then you have to look at their situation. You are not the only person they're talking to. Mm-hmm. So, all right, wow, I can't believe how this is all coming together. But watch this. So when the water buffalo or whatever I used earlier in the in, <laughs> they have a herd of them, and if they lose ten percent of the herd, they still got ninety percent of the herd to Oregon, and you know, or cattle or what I don't know. I I think I'm watching 1883 right now. I think that's what's happening. <laughs>
1: <laughs> so everything's a cattle run. I
0: enjoyed Yellowstone a lot, so I tried 1883, and now I'm very much into this idea of moving cattle across the country and people. But um, not the point. The point is is that is that they have a herd, and if they save most of it, they did a good job because they don't think all the cattle are getting to Oregon.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: And you, in that scenario, are— one of the cows, <laughs> and um, and you if
1: get their organs,
0: yeah, and if one of them gets rustled or shot or falls into a canyon, they go, oh, okay, well, we still have these other ones, and and again, macro micro is important because when they're sitting in a room with you, they do not look at you like, oh, if I lose this lady, it's okay. Like I'm not saying that. I'm right. saying when they step back and they look at the scope of their job, they expect that that's what's going to happen and if you end up being one of those people then those are that's just odds they're not thinking of you as a person in that moment they're thinking of you as hey i got 90% of them across mm-hmm. you know and and that's important for people to remember on the patient side and i don't mean to be angry about it like i don't mean like going to your doctor's office and be like this guy don't care about me like he cares about you plenty in that moment he just knows that not everybody's going to listen not everybody's going to do what they're supposed to do and And that doctor so far, medicine so far, has not found a way to compel people to do the right thing. So they know if they can't compel you, the best they can do is tell you. And then I think the next thing that happens is it becomes, it it, it must feel hopeless to them at some point. Like almost like, you know, how they say cops uh, can get, um, they start seeing crime everywhere the longer they're a cop. Oh yeah, yeah right. Yeah. So I think maybe with with police with police it, it 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 bleeds into their personal lives. I know cops. It does bleed into their personal lives. They're just like they don't trust anybody sometimes, mm-hmm. and, and I understand why, right? Because most of the people they meet in the course of the day are trying to get over somehow, and I think for doctors similar situation. I mean, how many people like you have to stop taking their medication and and head in the wrong direction before they start thinking like, there's no way I can affect all this. I don't know. Like it, To me, it yeah. seems like everybody doing the best they can, um, whatever the perfect answer is, it either doesn't exist or we as people don't seem to be able to accept it and and stay with it and run with it. I don't know why. So anyway, after saying all this, I'm still not getting on that bike when I get done with you. What do you think <laughs> of that?
1: Yeah, I'm, I, as fu- I, I'm as
0: full of shit as the rest of you. How's that? <laughs> <laughs>
1: I do wish that um, that perhaps doctors would be especially when dealing with with type twos um, instead of just simply labeling the patient as uncontrolled or um, non-compliant could look into it a little more like instead of just assuming that they're lying about how much they eat um, to, to have an opportunity to to find out more, because maybe they really are trying the best they can. Maybe they need to have insulin at this point. Um, Oh,
0: I agree. Yeah, a thousand percent. And I'm saying that I think that there's a human failing on the doctor's side, just like there's a human failing on everyone's side, like that no one, no one seems to be able to do the right thing. The thing that they know is going to work over and over again, because at some point that drudgery just doctors have the same thing as everyone else does there's there's a there's trash that has to be taken out of their house too you you know and so i think everybody gives as much as they can there's times where i think you know i don't want to see a doctor right away like in the morning but i would like to see them late morning but not if they're too hungry and not right after lunch (laughs) and not at the end of the day when they're tired like you know like it's it's just it's weird you know what i mean like it's 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 a bunch of flawed organisms trying to help each other <laughs> and <Yes. laughs> and um but you're right like like functionally you're 100 right you can't just look at somebody and go oh they're going to be one of them that i lose you have to treat everybody like they're the cow that you get over the line yeah and and that's where the that's i think you're right i think that's where the failing comes to and then i think the follow-through on their part can't just be hey don't eat a twinkie it has to be why and Not just why, but can you afford something better than that? And what is better than that? Because I watched my mom get, you know, started getting borderline type two a few years ago. And in her earnestness to eat better, she chose foods that were higher in carbs. Yeah. And she didn't know what she was doing. Like, she had no idea. And nobody helped her because she just told the doctor, oh, I'm eating better now. And the doctor went, oh, good. (laughs) That was the end. Yeah.
1: Or what really is better? What does it mean to say that your numbers are in control? Because if you would have asked me a year ago, are your numbers in control? I probably would have said yes. Mm. But looking back at where my numbers were then compared to where they are now, um, it's crazy. My last A1C was a 6.0 and the one before that was a 5.6. Wow! And I have never in my diabetes life had numbers that low.
0: You probably feel terrific, though.
1: It feels awesome. Yeah. I feel so much better and I didn't realize how bad I felt before.
0: Is your body coming to back together with your weight the way you want?
1: Um, it's getting there. It's getting yeah. there. We're still working on that. Um, but the it's funny because again, I have to, I'm a weirdo. Um The doc says that I really don't have a whole lot of insulin resistance, which is what you would really expect if I was a true type two, Mm -hmm. Um, except when I eat, my body seems to have a really hard time processing food. And so if you look at what my like correction ratio is or my basal rates, and then take a look at what my carb ratio is, it seems like my carb ratio is crazy compared to what the others are. And it's because I'm so, (laughs) I'm so resistant to insulin when it's food related.
0: Arden's is like that Arden's basal rates around a unit an hour. Yeah. But her, her carb ratio is like one to four and a half, I think.
1: Yeah. That's actually kind of really similar. I run somewhere between 0.8 and Uh 1.1 on my basal rates. And then my carb ratio right now is like one to six or one to eight, depending on the meal.
0: Can I ask a personal question? You sure can. Have your uh, lady parts given up yet?
1: No, they have not. Interesting. <laughs> okay.
0: I thought maybe you were like postmenopausal. But I mean you'd nope. be you'd be relatively young for that, but I was just wondering. Yes. Yeah, yeah.
1: yeah. No, and so yeah, I have those changes to to look forward to as well. And you know, before listening to the podcast, I never would have thought that my numbers or rates or anything was was different based on the time of the month, but Um, I actually have started to notice that I get really, it's like unpredictable. Mm -hmm. It's, it's not that it's a whole lot more or a whole lot less. It's like at some moments in the day, I'm going to need so much more insulin, but then later I definitely don't. And it's all in the same day. So it's like, it's it's like my ratios go crazy. Um, a couple of days a month.
0: The hormones are, are just such an impact. It's, um. It's really something. Yeah, it's been a lot of fun figuring all this out over the
1: years. (laughs) (laughs) You probably know much more about things that you thought you would never have to know about. (laughs) Yeah,
0: I trust me, if you could meet like 21-year-old me and be like, hey, you have a podcast in the future about diabetes. (laughs) 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 That person would have thought you were pretty crazy and then got back on their motorcycle and drove away really quickly. So um. Yeah. Yeah. It's a, uh, I'm happy to do it. I think it's fantastic. I'm doing it for my kid, you know, but, mm-hmm. um, it's, it's cool that it's helping other people. What was I going to say? I was going to say something. I had a big thought. Oh, here it is. I found it. So you are, have spoken around on the cusp of an idea that you haven't dove completely into yet. And I'm passionate about it too. So I kind of want to push you there, but, um, the idea of using insulin feeling like a failing and the idea of using more insulin than what I, I, this is a meaningless statement than other people think you should be using, um, being something that people have a lot of opinions about, or or that being something that you feel like is a failure. Like for some reason, you know, using uh, one unit an hour basal seems okay, but if it was two, you'd be like, oh, I'm using a lot of basal insulin. Like like that that way people feel, and we talk about it here as much as possible. Mm-hmm. I don't like it. Like, I, I, like, I'm I like. not going to say – I'm going to seem like I'm going to come down on two sides of this. Like, I get low-carb people. I understand them. I understand when their argument is if you eat fewer carbs, you're going to use less insulin. I think that's right. I think if you do that, you take away a lot of variabilities and things that you need to understand. And managing diabetes low-carb is, generally speaking, easier. Mm-hmm. Um, it doesn't make it the only answer. And just because those people – had trouble for years before they figured out to be low carb doesn't mean that that's not, it doesn't make that the only answer. It just makes it the answer that worked for them in their timeline. I could take them. This is going to sound crazy, but I could lift a person up who's had diabetes for 25 years, who lived through the the eighties and the nineties, and then suddenly found low carb and it straightened everything out for them, which I think is terrific. Mm -hmm. But if I pick their life up out of the timeline And move them forward so that they got diabetes in 2015 and started listening to the podcast. They would likely never go through the things they went through prior to finding low carb. And I'm not. None of that makes anybody's experience, you know, any more or less impactful on them or or worth sharing. I think all those need to be shared. But when they start making leaps, when people start making leaps and saying. When you use a lot of insulin, it's bad for you. Mm-hmm. That's dangerous because then you stop people who need the insulin from using the amount that they need. And so then your good your good intentions create problems. Yeah. And maybe you're right. Maybe this person should be eating, I don't know, hundreds fewer cal- uh, car- carbohydrates every day and they wouldn't need as much insulin. But back to the COVID conversation – just telling somebody to do something doesn't mean they're going to do it, and in the meantime, they're still alive and they still need what they need. So yeah, I still need help. Yeah, I'm very much against telling people that using too much insulin is bad. I I, I don't like. They need as much as they need. Now, you know, if you need a, a large amount because your body just requires it. Versus, you need a large amount because you woke up in the morning and drank a Slurpee with one hand while eating like bread dough with another hand. Like, like, there's an argument in there. I, I don't mind having that conversation, but it never gets made that way. It just gets the assumption is you eat poorly and that's why you need more insulin. Stop it, and that's really I find that to be a dangerous statement.
1: Yeah, and and to be honest, Scott, I probably should have been taking mealtime insulin at least five years before I started it. Right. Um, And part of it was the doctor really didn't push because my numbers were okay enough. And part of it was, I was vehemently against starting insulin because of all the, the type two, I don't want to say propaganda, but all the type two info that's out there that, Hey, you can control this with diet and exercise. And if you're not controlling it with diet and exercise and maybe some metformin, then you're doing it wrong.
0: You didn't try hard enough.
1: You didn't try hard enough. Yeah. And I I will tell you that the relief I felt when I saw that result for my C-peptide test and I realized that my pancreas, for whatever reason, is no longer working and that it's okay to give it some help. I I can't describe that relief. And nobody should have to go through that when they find, you know, you shouldn't be relieved to find out your pancreas isn't working.
0: Also, those five Um, years created potential damage for you.
1: Yeah. Yeah. Because I was, I mean, I wasn't running in the 400s all the time, but I was definitely above 150 the majority of the time. Most of my averages, when I look back, um, were in the 170 to 180 range Mm
0: -hmm.
1: as an average.
0: And I won't hide the fact that when my mom found out she was like pre-diabetic, I mean, the way I helped her was I put her on an intermittent fasting schedule and and had her limit her carbs. Yeah. Like, I'm not going to lie to you. Like, that's exactly what I did. And, well, and if, you know, it was helpful if, to her.
1: If If that works, if you've got type two and that works, by all means, go for it and right. do that as long as you can. But if you're working as hard as you can work, and your numbers are still not close to a normal range. Mm-hmm. Then you need to do something else. Yep. You have to address that, the symptoms. Yeah.
0: Right. Because you don't have an unlimited amount of time and you don't get 10 years to make yourself right. Like this isn't a psychological thing where you're, you know you know what I mean? Like, how do I mean this? You, you know, when we're growing up and we are learning about the world and we think it's okay, you have time. You'll figure mm-hmm. out that friendship's important. You'll figure out that kindness is important, like that stuff. You have time to figure those things out. This isn't like that. You don't have time to figure those things out. Like you need to yeah. understand that you needed insulin. And and five years of you working your way through it, you know, you don't just miss out on a couple of friendships maybe along the way. You, you miss out on longevity yeah. and, or peaceful exactly. or peaceful health in your older age.
1: And, and in my you know. case it was definitely health because during that time frame I mean I had all kinds of stuff I had to go in and have an echo and a stress echo because I was having these terrible chest pains that turned out to have no explanation um, you know m- continued UTI issues that to be honest since I've lowered my my A1c and lowered my expectations for what a, a proper glucose range is, um, I haven't had any. Mm. And to be able to say that after after years of having them is is amazing for me.
0: Yeah. When's the last time you peed on your bed?
1: Um, Oh, gosh. <laughs> a really long time ago. Yeah,
0: I would take <laughs> just that as an improvement.
1: And that is a win. Yeah, no kidding. <laughs> My husband would say that, too. <laughs> <laughs>
0: yeah, that must have. Been, did you tell him or did you hide it?
1: Oh no! Yeah, there was no hiding it. Oh, there it was, was no the, like, hiding.
0: It. We need a mattress. No.
1: It's it's the middle of the night. Change the sheets and I hope you've got a really good mattress pad on, kind of thing. <laughs> yeah,
0: no hiding it. Just like <laughs> I'm like I'm just I'm I don't know I'm I'm picturing you just rolling the the, the sheets up and trying to pull them out from under it <laughs> very slowly, you know, very um, sneakily. Yeah, yeah, that's yeah. crazy. Is yeah. there... He
1: probably could have slept through it, but um, no, I <laughs>
0: I was just, I don't know. It's, it's uh, my point was that if it just fixed that it's well worth all your effort, you you know, and, but you got much, much more out of it than that. Um,
1: Yeah. And, and honestly, my relationship with food is better. Um, There were so many things that I wouldn't eat um, or that if I did have some of it, you know, the guilt with, with having a piece of birthday cake to celebrate somebody's birthday or um you know, participating in a family event that involves food and feeling guilty about having that food. Once I started insulin, I'm just like, okay, well, I'm just doing for my body what everybody else's body is doing for them. Mm -hmm. Um, And so it helped me have a healthier relationship with food in general. Now I'll still decide sometimes, you know, I really don't want to have that food at nine o'clock at night because i don't want to deal with alarms and corrections and whatever else i need to do all night so it's just not worth it for me to have that right now yeah but it's not that i can't ever eat that
0: right yeah you could do it if you wanted to it's just you're you're making a decision yeah and it's just it listen it's the same decision we should all be making just with slightly different parameters you're deciding do i want to do i want to eat this and then have to deal with what I need to do afterwards. So the rest of us should be saying, "Do I want to eat this?" And you know, or do I, or do I not, and save my body whatever t- turmoil it's going to go through because that. Look, I mean, listen. I, I mean, this needs to be brought up once in a while by me. I genuinely believe that there's almost nothing that my daughter could eat that I couldn't figure out how to bowl this for. Right. I don't think that means you should eat it all the time.
1: I think of uh, your Pop-Tart example, right? Yes.
0: yes, I If my daughter never sees a Pop-Tart again in the rest of her life, I'll be very happy about that. Um, just because I know how to bowl is for cereal without a spike doesn't mean my kid eats cereal constantly. Um, exactly. But, but I think there's a bigger picture. I think that when you have a five-year-old that just got diabetes, um, maybe taking cereal away from them is hard or seems un. Maybe it seems cruel to you as a parent, and it's something you want to try to mix in. Now, my hope is that you'll learn how to bolus for the cereal, but at some point recognize that, you know, crunch is probably not the way to go every day for the rest <laughs> of your life, right? And exactly. maybe you will figure that out, and maybe you won't figure that out. That's not under my control. But much like with the conversation you're having about your insulin, I think it's unfair for people not to know, at least like like because the alternative is, I mean, this whole conversation is just cyclical. Like you're just you're hearing the same things over and over again. If a, if a kid's going to eat cereal, is the right answer? Don't eat cereal. Yeah, probably. OK, but given that that might not happen or that there might be psychological ties to it or, or, or reasonings or, you know, whatever. You don't just let their blood sugars be 450. Right. Like if they're going right. to eat cereal, they should learn how to bolus for it. Do I hope one day they figure out that Captain Crunch isn't good for them? Yes, I really genuinely do. And and if they don't, that's not my responsibility. Yeah, yeah, because
1: we can't we can't know all the circumstances for for other people and so to say, well, you shouldn't eat this or you shouldn't eat that. Maybe there's a valid reason why they want to eat it and for you to be able to to give them the tools that they need to be able to handle the insulin in such a way that it maintains their sugar in a healthy range. Yeah. Then, the, then that's the objective.
0: And your point really exploded a little bit to, to, to draw it out a little bit, a bo- box of cereals, a few bucks, uh, half a gallon of milk is a few bucks. And now suddenly I can feed a kid for a whole week at breakfast for five or $6 and a dozen eggs might be two or three bucks. And the time to make the eggs isn't something everyone has. Right. You, you know what I mean? Like, like if, you are, if you live a life where you can get up in the morning and cook, you're lucky. You know, because most people are running out the door at the crack of dawn, <laughs> trying to go to a job that doesn't pay them very much money, and if they're five minutes late for it, they're going to get fired. Yep. Right, right? So, people's situations are a big part of that. And I'm aware of that even as I'm saying, I hope you don't eat Captain Crunch but here's the thing. If you have to eat Captain Crunch, let's figure out how to bolus for it so that you're not eating Captain Crunch and having high blood sugars. Let's just pick one. And and maybe your situation will grow from there and you'll be able to get out from under it. And maybe it won't, but at least your health isn't going to suffer because of your financial situation or the expectations that the world has on you or whatever else is keeping you from, you know, poaching an egg. <laughs> Yeah, <laughs> like right, which is a, uh, um, it's a it's a thing you should be lucky to to be able to do if you have that. And the same goes with lunches and dinners. It's easy to say, like, I mean, don't eat things out of bags, don't eat things out of boxes. Like, that's a pretty easy. I mean, honestly, if you're looking to be healthier, don't eat anything in a bag or a box. That's yep. a, that's a pretty
1: that, that whole food approach. Yep,
0: pretty fast way to help yourself. I think uh, eliminating oils. Um, like processed, um, oils is a, is a great way to help yourself very quickly. Um, but you know, if you have 20 minutes to eat in the middle of the day, I get it. If you've bought a grab bag of Doritos, like I understand. So I just don't think you should suffer for with your diabetes health on top of everything else. I don't know. That seems like common sense to me, Natalie, but this is a long form conversation that took an hour and 15 minutes. And it's not just somebody ranting at somebody in three sentences online or your doctor um, visit the last 10 minutes or, you know, you're at, at yeah. Thanksgiving dinner when your grandmother is like, should you be eating that? And you're like, oh, <laughs> thanks, Grandma.
1: Thanks, Grandma. <laughs> yeah, and In, in my case, it was thanks to my great aunt, but that's another story. <laughs>
0: <laughs> great aunt, pain in the ass. I got you. <laughs> <laughs> Natalie, <laughs> Natalie's got bread. Someone stop her.
1: <laughs> Natalie, you shouldn't be eating that. And I wasn't even diabetic at the time. It was hilarious.
0: <laughs> Thanks a lot, sweetie. Um, my wife had a grandmother who would look people in the face and go, "You'd be so pretty if you weren't so fat." Oh, <laughs> like no. literally, like a, a horrible woman. <laughs> you, you know? Oh um,
1: my goodness! Yeah,
0: just you know. And that's if you don't think a lot of people don't grow up with stuff like that, you're out of your mind. You, you know what I mean? Like there are plenty of people giving bad. Um, messages to children and to adults. And they're hard to ignore when they're, when they're being beaten over your head over and over again, you can try to joke your way through it, or you still heard it, you know? Yeah. So anyway, Natalie, is there anything that we haven't spoken about that you wanted to?
1: Um, I think we covered most of it. Um, I, one thing that I I did want to mention, um, you know, we talk about diabetes. I guess I would ask that folks try to just be kind to each other because there are other forms of diabetes besides type one and type two, and maybe just trying to be kind. That's one thing I appreciate about about your podcast and the Facebook group. It's, you know, for anybody using insulin. um, So many of the groups get very territorial, (laughs) if you will. Yeah. Um, If you're not this type, then you shouldn't be in this group. Um, I think there's, there's room for us to, have some understanding with each other and some kindness to each other, because not everybody fits into a category like me.
0: I don't understand why people feel so compelled to be on a team, but God bless them. They really do. Uh, I, do. Yeah, I, 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 I mean, it's like, just make it a different team. If it'll make you feel better, make it team insulin there. I fixed it. You, you know, like why, why do you care? Like I, and I don't see it frequently, but when you do see it from somebody it's fascinating. I've come to wonder too, <laughs> I'm making myself laugh. But uh, there are times when I see people post online, and I think, I wonder if they're drunk. <laughs> like, you know what I mean? Like, yes, we all we all think we're talking to like someone who's upright in a chair, having their full form best thoughts. But I'm like, I wonder how many people are like half on the recliner, half on the floor, with their phone in one hand and one eye open, gone. You don't have type 1 diabetes, get out of here, you (laughs) type 2 person. Like, I don't know who you're talking to, and you don't either. Um, I would say I see people be very supportive, mostly, but you're right. When it's not supportive, it's vicious. Yeah. Yeah, you know, and I don't get that. I don't understand why you care. Like, if someone's getting value from a space you're in, why does it matter if they don't exactly, if they're not exactly you, you know? I, I don't know. Completely agree. Yeah, 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 People are out of their minds. Some of them, but not most of them. That's the good <laughs> news. All right, Natalie. Let's uh, finish up by saying I'm incredibly impressed that somehow I took the migration of cattle uh, across the country and related <laughs> it to healthcare. I think I did a great job with that. And if I didn't, if I listen back later and go, "Wow, you were not nearly as on point with that as you thought you were," I'm going to be surprised because I feel really good about it in the moment. What are your thoughts? <laughs>
1: I think it went well. And yeah, I was quite impressed with how you compared cattle to healthcare.
0: <laughs> <laughs> As it was happening, I was like, I'm getting so good at this. <laughs> like I could hear it. There's <laughs> a voice in my head, not like a scary voice. You understand, Natalie, where you need to be scared. But I was like, wow, like I realized, joking aside, that these like, one of the things that, mm, look at me struggling to say something nice about myself. I don't want to sound like a jerk. Um, I think that I've been like this my whole life. Like I like thinking about things and I like seeing connections between things. Mm -hmm. Um, I think that our minds work very similarly. And for some reason, when you change the color of the conversation or you change the type of the conversation or something, people lose their minds. They're like, these things have nothing to do with each other, but everything has something to do with something else. And the way people think or treat each other or treat people's diabetes or whatever, it's all rooted in the same. I don't mean, I don't know how many, but the same handful of thoughts or feelings or inclinations that people have like, like we are pretty common at our core and the way our, the way our impulses impact other things is very similar, like where it goes after that gets different because of variability, but at our core, we're all very similar. And, um, and I think the way we do things is pretty common throughout life. And I think if you could diagnose it in one place, it might make it easier to understand in another place. That's all. But, I don't know. Like that all just came to me today about the the migration. Actually, 1883. You should all watch it. It's on Paramount Plus. I really like it. And uh, <laughs> you might like it too. Anyway, I'm going to let this go before I before I say something I, I don't mean. So uh, thank you very much for doing this. I really appreciate it.
1: Thank you, Scott. I really appreciate it. And, you know, again, just reminding people not to be afraid to start insulin if they're in that situation. Um And just advocating for themselves and their loved ones because that's so important.
0: You need what you need. That's pretty much it. Yeah. See, I am able to make things short and sweet. There you go. I've been saying that through the podcast for years, right? You need what you need. (laughs) Yep. All right. I might have been. All right. Let's stop the recording now. Hold on. (laughs) A huge thank you to one of today's sponsors gvoke glucagon find out more about gvoke hypopen at gvoke glucagon.com forward slash juice box you spell that dot com forward slash juice box i'd also like to thank us med and remind you that you can get a free benefits check at usmed.com forward slash juice box or by calling 888-721-1514. Go get your diabetes supplies the way we do, with US Med. If you're into helping people, especially people with type 1 diabetes, I'd like to ask you to go to t1dexchange.org forward slash juice When you get there, fill out the survey completely, and you've helped somebody. All you need to be is a U.S. resident who has type 1 diabetes or is the caregiver of someone with type 1. t1dexchange.org forward slash juicebox. Join the registry, complete the survey, help someone with type 1 diabetes, help yourself perhaps, and support the Juicebox podcast. You will do all of this in the fewer than 10 minutes that it will take to go to that link and complete the survey. The survey is very simple. You'll know all the answers to all the questions. It is also HIPAA compliant and completely anonymous. T1DExchange.org forward slash juicebox. There are links in the show notes of your podcast player and links at juiceboxpodcast.com to all of the sponsors and to T1DExchange. When you take the time to click on my links or to type them in a browser, you're telling the sponsors that you came from the Juicebox Podcast, and that is a wonderful way to support the show. Are you looking for a vibrant and intelligent community around diabetes? Look no farther than the Facebook page, the private Facebook page for the Juicebox Podcast. It's called Box Podcast Type 1 Diabetes. The group has over 28,000 members, and those members are responsible for between 70 and 110 new posts every day, on the Facebook page. Every conceivable conversation around diabetes is happening at Juicebox Podcast, Type 1 Diabetes on Facebook. You're going to see great questions, thoughtful answers, and supportive people. No matter if you're an adult living with type 1 diabetes or the caregiver of someone with type 1, this group is for you. Doesn't matter if you eat low carb or high carb or somewhere in between. Your questions and thoughts are welcome on our Facebook page. I hope you check it out. Last little bit. If you're looking for the Diabetes Pro Tip series or the Defining Diabetes series or any of the other multitude of series that exist within the podcast, you can find them in a number of ways. They are at juiceboxpodcast.com. They are at diabetesprotip.com. And if you belong to the private Facebook group, You can find them listed in the Featured tab. Now, if you're enjoying the podcast, please consider sharing it with someone else. That helps the podcast grow more than anything. Word of mouth is definitely how the show has become what it is. If you have already shared it with everybody you can think of, and you've bought an Omnipod or a Dexcom or supported one of the other sponsors, you've done the T1D Exchange survey, and now you're looking for another way to give back to the podcast, super simple, a five-star rating, and a thoughtful review in whichever audio app you listen in would be amazing. Thank you so much for listening. I'll be back very soon with another episode of the Juice Box Podcast.